Welcome to Premier Health Now On Air. Today we're talking about kids and sports. There's camaraderie and competition, discipline and fun, and a lot of learning about building both physical and mental skills that can pay off for a lifetime. But we want to be smart and safe so that our kids enjoy and benefit from their time with sports. So we brought in two clinical sports insiders with years of been there, done that insights to share. I'm your moderator, Leslie Lane. With me today are sports medicine specialist, Dr. John Salentic from Premier Orthopedics. Welcome. Thank you very much. And athletic trainer, Justin Perkins from Premier Health. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm betting that your passion for what you do today started early. What did taking part in sports mean to you two growing up? Go ahead, Justin. You can start. Uh, that was kind of my way to get out of my hyper energy. I was a very active child when I was younger, so my parents let me do anything and everything I wanted to. And as a way, that kind of helped me focus on aspects like school, church, things like that, as in a way to get out that energy through sport. And what was your sport? Oh, growing up, I did everything. I played soccer, basketball, uh, junior high, I kind of got into more cross-country running, track running, and then basketball throughout high school and college. So I ran in college. I didn't play basketball in college. How about you, Dr. Slendick? Oh, similar story. I a family that was always very active, so I had a great kind of a paternal or family uh, role models. So our family was always involved in a lot of activities. Tennis, soccer was the primarily the, the main sports, but cycling and those kind of aerobic types of sports were also common for our family, although a little bit eclectic for the rest of the kids in the neighborhood. But I pursued it through college and beyond a bit, but ultimately was the victim of the injuries that come to get you. So eventually I said, look, I spend more time at the doc's office. Maybe I'll do that instead of being the athlete wannabe. So it certainly influenced my future. And you certainly then understand where your patients are coming from. Oh, absolutely. Empathy is there every day. Well, when we talk sports, the choices for kids are huge, as you both demonstrated. There's all the team ball sports, but then things like ice skating, gymnastics, swimming, horseback riding, cycling, whatever they choose. What are the big benefits that kids can take away from getting involved in sports? Well, I think the number one thing is just certainly just being involved from a healthy lifestyle, especially early on setting those kind of um, behavioral patterns that I do think carry on. And there's some evidence research-wise that suggests that early introduction to not necessarily formal sports, but just athletic lifestyle do carry into adult lifestyle. And as we all are realizing, the epidemics of current health problems really often stem from behavioral issues. So you can extrapolate what the kids are doing to future healthcare needs of our society, but also just the fact that it's obviously a, an easy way for kids to learn interactive skills, learn how to deal with conflicts and problems with in their peers. And so there's all kinds of benefits that are extrapolated for just from simply playing a game with a ball or a stick or whatever. Yeah, not just health reasons and my thought process of that, but I also think of the social aspect, getting involved with other kids your age conflict management, being able to solve problems very easily, whether it's with a teammate or against an opposing team, the strategy involved that people think about and stuff like that. So I see it not just as a, you know, health aspect. Yes, it's nice to get these kids active and get them healthy, but also the social aspect of making friends and stuff like that, that they get that I think is awesome. Well, the first question for any parent is, is my child ready 
for sports and as important ready for this sport. So I will ask you two parents, what words of wisdom do you have? I'll start with aspect of the question being, is it safe? And for me, I think it's safe for any point in time for the kid to begin an active lifestyle. The topic of formal sports or structured training programs, those types of things I, I have personal opinion on, but also there's evidence to support we may be pushing that in our society a bit early. And what I mean by that is is that the enhanced performance type programs that are available, and even within Premier we offer those kind of services, which are very appropriate, but they're appropriate at the right age. I'll take an example of just weight training, for example. There's the ability physiologically to adapt to a strength training program. And typically a prepubescent or before kids start to develop into adulthood or those in-betweener type age groups, the benefits of an accelerated training program emphasizing intensively towards a weight training program has minimal physiological benefit, but it certainly impacts injury prevalence. And so some of these types of aspects of our training are looking so aggressively at success for the future, but we're kind of forgetting the trees through the forest. We're wanting the kids to be involved for the sake of being involved. And again, general health benefits and to be honest with you, how do you know your kid's going to be a great soccer player when they might end up being a great tennis player? It's too early to tell. They haven't matured enough to really make kind of a generalized assessment of their skill sets. So let them have fun. Start them early. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, as a parent, I kind of am at the – I have a little bit of a different insight in that because I see high school-age athletes, junior high-age athletes, where parents really push and are aggressive on their children on certain sports – but I can kind of take a step back and realize, you know, me as a father and as a parent, I am going to be kind of open-minded to whatever my child wants to do. If they want to try a sport, if they want to do something a little bit different, then I would feel okay with that. Not just for an aspect of, you know, the specialization of a sport, but if they try different things, they can really feel what they want to do and what they like to do and stuff like that. So he hit a little bit on, um, you know, the sports performance type stuff. I help teach the junior high sports performance for Upper Valley, and we really try to emphasis on healthy active behaviors, healthy active exercises. We don't tend to bog these kids down with a lot of, you know, bulky weights, things like that. We do a lot more form mechanics and stuff like that for injury prevention. We do a ton of body weight type stuff because we know they're still aging and maturing. And at that age, it's very common for one child to be ahead of the curve maturity-wise and one child to be very far behind maturity-wise. So we try to specialize those children in aspects of, hey, you know, this kid's not as far along physically, so we're going to have him do ABC, while the kid that's a little more mature and a little more physiologically ready for it will have him do something else a little more aggressive, a little more advanced that way. So I kind of take, you know, my professional approach of, hey, I kind of know what's good and what's bad for these kids at a certain age. But at the same time, I kind of want to be open-minded in a sense of if she wants to try it, you know, if she wants to do something, let's let her do it. And I think sometimes parents get involved in, I was a great baseball player, or, you know, a lot of what I see is a parent maybe has regrets. They have regret on how they practice performed on the football field, basketball court, baseball field. And they try to push that onto their child of, Hey, I was a pretty good baseball player. Or I was a pretty good basketball player. I want you to be a great basketball player, baseball player. And I think that kind of mentally bogs the kid down in a sense of, Hey, you know, I have a lot of pressure from my parents to be great at their sport 
when in reality they might not want to do that. So sometimes I think parents kind of should take a step back and kind of say, what does my kid enjoy? And if he enjoys the same things you did growing up, great. If not, if it's something different, then, hey, you have to kind of support them and do what they want to do in that way. Are there any general guidelines that parents could use to decide what kind of activity is going to be a safe introduction or a developmentally appropriate introduction for their child to a sport. So say you've got a five, six, seven-year-old who just wants to run out there and do everything. Are there signs that they should be looking for in this child's either physical or psychological development that says the child is ready or maybe not? I mean, that's a tough question. I think each child's a little bit different. You know, I always tell the story about you know, my sister and brother-in-law making my niece play softball when she was six years old, but she was more interested in picking the dandelions in the outfield Mm -hmm. than she was playing the game. She enjoyed the team aspect. She enjoyed all that sort of stuff. So they kind of funneled her more into a soccer cheerleading type role the next year and seeing if she liked that and, you know, see if that kind of stuck that way. I think as for physiologically, it's kind of just dependent on what the child wants to do. And then I think you have to kind of stray on how much you allow them to do that. So if, you know, if a child wants to play soccer at a young age, you know, let them try it. If they get into it a little bit, it's what worries me more is when, you know, you want your child to play soccer in the fall and then they like it. Well, then you want them to play it in the winter and then you want them to play it in the spring instead of saying, hey, you know, let's play it in the fall. If they do really well, we can turn around the next fall and let them do it that way. Kind of fall in love with it on their own. Kind of a natural approach. And, you know, on that same theme, you know, the schools and the communities have seasonal programs available. And there are professionals behind those programs in when they're available and what age groups are available. So there's, for example, if you live in the northern part of the country, there'll be ice skating programs you might never see down here. But the demands and the expectations and the style of those programs are built around the age appropriateness. So, for example, our community, and like many here, have soccer programs of all ages, but the five, six-year-olds, yeah, you sign up for it. It's formal. However, they play to just kick a ball around with really minimal emphasis on goal scoring. The next level, the next age group is going to emphasize a little bit more on winning the game or maybe strategies to win a game. So the professionals that are developing these community-based programs, they're there for a reason, and they set them up for those developmental stages of, of maturity and youth. So in a way to kind of dumb it down, for lack of better phrases, when the community offers a program, there are professionals that designed it on purpose for that reason. So when you see those ads, I encourage people to get involved. As Justin said, letting the kids try and expose themselves to a variety of sports is what's going to allow them to pick the ones they happen to enjoy or find they don't. Maybe they're maybe more oriented towards marching band because they're musically inclined, but it's still athletic. It's still participating. There's lots of other ways to be physically active. That doesn't have to be the formal traditional sports. You had mentioned starting early, and for better or worse, golfer Tiger Woods put a face to that idea that an early start is going to lead to superstardom. I mean, at two, he was on TV practicing his swing, and at three, he shot 48 on a nine-hole course. Come on. At five, he was on Golf Digest magazine. (laughs) So... What's a parent dreaming of a family superstar or or maybe a college scholarship to do? 
I mean, it's a toughie because it's obviously very difficult when you have big aspirations for your kids. And I think I think the comment was made, take a step back. Both of us are, are parents of kids. My, my oldest daughter is playing in college, but on the table was always the option to pull back. But with that pulling back of, of interest was going to be, well, we're not going to necessarily travel around the country in, in a club team setting if your interests are not to go to that level. So the, the decision to still do those things weren't just because that's what we should do. It was because the ultimate ambition by her was to be that successful. And so you facilitated it because you could. And unfortunately, not everybody can because there's the economics of sports. We need to figure that out in this country. Different topic. But, but nonetheless, sometimes the kids' drive facilitates really the answer in a way uh, as to you know, how far you push them and what program and what dreams they want. Let them have those dreams and then facilitate it. But when they pull back, and a lot of times it's those late high school, junior, senior year, they thought they wanted to play college ball. But then they realize that social lifestyle is also pretty fun as well. And the college experience, having been a college athlete, is very different than not being a college athlete. And neither are bad and neither are are better than the other. But if the kid is driven, then I strongly encourage facilitating that. And the accelerated programs are excellent for that. But not when they're showing lack of interest in it. That's the nuance of whether it's a physician, an athletic trainer, or a colleague or a coach needs to be able to identify it and say, look, Sally or Joey, it's okay. You don't have to be Lionel Messi, which is a top soccer player who signed also at a young age with a professional yeah, team. 14, at something 14, like that. if not even younger, and moved it to an entirely different country. Those unique stories are going to happen. They've been in Hollywood. They've been on the national sports scenes forever. But it doesn't have to be the norm and, frankly, shouldn't be the norm. I think sometimes we get bogged down in the outliers, like the Tiger Woods, the Lionel Messis, that we forget that even though they were great at that one thing, they played other sports and did other activities outside of that one, even though that was their passion and that's what they were good at. And I think success has a little bit to do with at a young age. If they see that success, they want to strive for that one sport. But I think we get so bogged down in the outliers of, you know, this hockey player started skating when he was three years old, but they don't talk about how, you know, in the summer he played basketball or in the fall he played soccer and things like that. So I think, allowing them to do multiple things but still have that one sport specific passion they like is probably a good way to kind of tailor make on how serious they are about that passion and stuff like that of course it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt yes so how should parents be thinking about safety in general and maybe sports specific can i kind of go off on a little rant here about this so In my profession, I deal with high school athletes, middle school athletes, and their injuries. A lot of times, you know, and I work with orthopedic surgeons and physical therapists hand in hand, we kind of all work together. And I get frustrated with, I don't want to say my colleagues, but my profession in general, because all I ever hear is, well, when I was younger, this is what we did, this, that's what we did. But then at the same time, now that they're professionals, they get frustrated when kids are kids. You know, I see, for example, I have an athlete who might twist his ankle because he was out back playing Frisbee with his neighbors, you know, or I'll have a colleague that gets frustrated because this kid went and played basketball at the Y and 
you know, sprained his wrist, fell and sprained his wrist. Well, growing up, that's what we did. We went to practice. We went outside in the summer. We played outside. You know, we played, you know, ball and stick sports, for lack of a better term. We did all these other things besides that one sport that we focused on. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in you can't get hurt for this one sport or this one reason that we forget that these kids are adolescents. They want to, you know, they can't sit on their hands. They don't want to sit down and do things like that. So I think we get wrapped up in, well, you're going to get hurt if you do something outside of your sport, but that's what everybody's done forever. I mean, when I was a kid, I went out, I got home from practice, showered, went out and did stuff with my friends and, you know, my parents did that. My grandparents did that same thing. So I think sometimes we get so worked up on, Hey, you have to be successful in this one sport you're playing, whether it's basketball, wrestling, base, whatever it is that we forget that, Hey, these kids got to be kids. Like, let them go do what, not necessarily what they want to do, but let them go with guidance. be kids. Yeah, yes. Right. With, guidance, with guidance. Right. Let them go be kids and let them explore other opportunities and explore new things. And, you know, I know it frustrates me when they get hurt doing those other things, but that's life. I mean, you can sprain your ankle walking into the work in the morning. It doesn't matter like that. So sometimes I think we get so bogged down as professionals of keeping them healthy that we forget that sometimes injuries are just part of life and things are just happen like that. Absolutely. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. And unfortunately, sometimes bad things happen at the worst time ever. And, you know, the the 100-meter uh, sprinter at the Olympics Games sometimes pulls a hamstring at the warm-up, and it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. You worked all those years to have that happen. Guidance is everything, you know, and so as a parent, if it's the week before the state game, you might not let them go to the, you know, the roller skating park when they've never done it before, but then again, when it's in the summer, let them go for Pete's sake. Let them be kids, as you just mentioned. I think that's excellent advice. From the standpoint on a slightly different twist of the and you kind of hit it on a moment ago as well, the single sport athletes, especially as they move later into the later teen years where the expectation for college scholarships and such are so heavily emphasized in this country. The single sport athlete, there's great evidence that shows that there are sport-specific injuries that are almost predictable and the epidemic of ACL injuries and those types of problems, hard to correlate, but but there does seem to be some evidence suggesting that the multi-sport athletes even training at a fairly high level, do show reduction in certain types of injuries. Traumas are traumas. Things happen. Sprained ankles, those things happen. But the overuse-related injuries, the baseball pitcher-type injuries that we all hear about and read about, you know, playing multi-sports, you're probably going to reduce some of those incidents. It won't zero those, and no athlete will have a career without an injury. That's, I mean, almost never. Never say never, but it's almost never that you're going to have somebody getting through their entire career without a fairly significant injury along the way. But we certainly can reduce them by exposing kids to a variety of sports. And some areas of the world, for example, I'm very interested in the soccer world. That's one of my passions. Some countries really emphasize that you must play other sports because they don't want those types of injuries that occur at the 19, 20, 21 age groups when they're trying to move them into the pro ranks or the starting 11 in soccer where they've played and played and played only one sport and are so burnt out by the time they're ready to be the star, they're not wanting to be the star, both from an injury physically as well as emotionally. So, again, I think we're talking the same yeah. strategy, but we, we could different do, perspectives We could that. do a whole timeline on sports specialization and youth and stuff like that. Um, 
I was going to kind of piggyback on that last comment he made about the soccer is, you know, one of my passions is track and field and running. And I'm going to say safe number is 75% of professional runners grew up soccer players. Yeah, right. They grew up basketball players and they fell into running and realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this and it's something I'm passionate about. And that's how they got involved. There are far and few between runners that started in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and that's all they've done their whole life. So that's kind of something that I always think back on is, hey, you know, what other things can we do to help you? You know, he talked about baseball overuse type injuries. You know, a lot of baseball players that play football, basketball, they don't have the shoulder injuries in the spring. A lot of times, you know, those wrestlers, because they're doing different activities and strength training differently, but that also helps them for that baseball season also. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we can leave this discussion without talking about concussion. And what's a sense, and I didn't mean to rhyme that, but I, what, is, what is a sensible way for parents to think about that? Rather than being terrified of it, can you safely allow your child to be in a sport that may Absolutely. have a prevalence of concussion? I mean, that, obviously, it's, it's a hot topic. That's why you bring it up, and, and it's appropriately a hot topic. A lot, of, a lot of that science is still to follow, and so we don't know specifically what the end result will be of the concussive events that are occurring, and so we need to be cognizant of it. We don't need to be fearful of it, exactly. but there's, like anything, there's appropriateness of, of expectations on our kids, so when they happen to have that concussive event, the guidelines in this state have they've made it restrictive, but I think also appropriate in that the kid doesn't return to the game that game give it a chance to be assessed sideline assessments are difficult the next day to assess a kid is much easier the parents are calmed down the coaches aren't there the fans aren't screaming and yelling with eight people asking is he okay or is she okay you pull back make the kid safe and evaluate if it's concussive we have protocols in place to help kids get back to a normal functioning level when they're not Returning as one would expect, there are those tragic cases where kids never return back to a sport, even when it's passion that they have for that sport. But we have to think about kids as lifelong people in addition to being hopefully a lifelong athlete. And so we both see concussions on different aspects of when they occur and the timing of treatment and so forth. But ultimately, letting the professional guide that return-to-play decision it is a collaborative approach with many players. It could be physical therapists or neurocognitive therapists, athletic trainers, the physicians. Physicians really play somewhat of a minor role in this because ultimately where we're at with this is getting kids back to normal function, whether it's in the classroom or on the playing field. So I guess my departing point is it's a really important topic, but it's not one to be fearful of because we will take care of the kid in a proper managed program, but try not to make those decisions for us because of an upcoming event or an upcoming game. It's, it's a failure to the kid. The thing we always preach to my parents at the school I work at is you have one brain, one spine, one back. So it's better to be safe with those than sorry. Uh, we always talk about, you know, especially with the kids, a lot of times they want to, you know, hide signs and symptoms of a concussion because they're fearful of what everybody's going to think. And we always assure them that, hey, in that moment, people might be mad, but it's not at you. It's at the situation. So I said, you know, take a step back. Like he said, we'll give it a day. 
then we'll reevaluate it and do things like that. So I agree with everything he said. It's, it's a mindful situation that we have to always be aware of and they happen and they happen in every sport at every level of every competition. But at the same time, we just have to be smart and take the treatment of those athletes carefully. And everyone's different. Every situation's different. And that's kind of my role is evaluating that situation and how it compares to other situations and go from there. When we have parent meetings, 85% of the questions are about concussions and how we handle things like that. I think Premier Health, we have a very strict guidelines on how we handle those things. And I think we do a good job of making sure the right diagnosis is made and not allowing that adult, child, athlete, non-athlete, not forcing them to do things they don't feel comfortable doing before they're healed. I would say both of you have demonstrated the impact of sports on your life in that you're so energetic and enthusiastic about it now after a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So parents, those long hours at the ballpark, the track, the arena, and the pool are totally worth it, right? Absolutely. 100% agree. We are very grateful to our guests who have given us so much to think about today. Sports medicine specialist, Dr. John Solentic from Premier Orthopedics and athletic trainer, Justin Perkins from Premier Health. We appreciate your spending time with us today. And if you want to know more, visit premierhealth.com slash health now. We'll be back. We hope you will. I'm Leslie Lane, and thanks for joining us. Watch for our next edition of Premier Health Now on air.